Welcome to our grandparents' teachings, a storytelling program hosted by Chuck Miller in collaboration with the Sitka Tribe of Alaska, Art Change, and KCAW. This storytelling program will help keep Clinkett stories alive through community education. Join us the first Tuesday of every month from 7 to 8 p.m. as we celebrate the rich cultural heritage of this land. everyone. Thank you for listening to our grandparents' teachings. We have a wonderful audio clip for you today. This clip comes from 2018 Alaska Day slash reconciliation ceremonies that took place at the base of New Plain, or what is more commonly known to everyone as Castle Hill. The Kiksadi owned this site at one time. You will hear one of my good friends speaking, Ashich uh, Tla, uh, Louise Brady, who is a representative of the Kiksadi clan, the Raven Frog tribe. And she goes through the history of our Tlingit people and what had happened to our native people when that transfer took place on top of Castle Hill and how it relates to our, our native people here. And you'll also hear some other ceremonies in the background. You'll actually hear some very ironic gunfire that happens with the other ceremonies when she is speaking. When the Kiksadi first came here thousands of years ago, 10,000 plus years ago, they came here with their in-laws, the Kadapadi, the Brown Bear tribe, and this is their ancient homeland, and things changed for them quite a bit when the transfer of Alaska took place. So I hope that you enjoy this audio footage that we have for you today, and it's resonating deeply in my heart right now, so enjoy. Thank you for being here today for this most important event. Welcome to Thlingit Ani, Thlingit Country. My Thlingit name is Ashish Tla. I am Kiksadi from the Point House. Today, on top of the hill here, people are going to commemorate the result of the sale of Alaska, the transfer of Alaska from Russia to the United States. This is truly a one-sided version of history. We who are Tlingit did not write our history down in books. Our history is told by our painted and beaded robes and our woven robes. Our history is carved in wood as in the house posts that you see down in the village and by our hats. Our history is sung in our songs. Finally, our history is found in our stories. I heard that there's a book that says, if this is your land, where are your stories? And we have a lot of stories from this land that go back centuries to the last ice age. And when people ask, how long have you been here? We say since time immemorial. We have stories and songs that tell of how we migrated to this land 
after the last ice age. So that's how long we have been here. You probably heard of the Battle of 1802 when we Kiksadi fought the Russians out by Qajahin, what is now known as Old Sitka. Following the battle, the surviving Russians went and found Varana and told him of their great loss by Qajahin. Then you probably heard of the Battle of 1804 at Shiskinu, what is now known as Totem Park. That was in 1804. One of the songs we're going to sing, the first one, Shuksan, was written by a Kiksadi woman who was mourning for her infant. Her words speak of how much she misses the comfort of her maternal uncles who were blown up in the canoes carrying the ammunition that we had stored for that battle. Even with the loss of our stores of ammunition, we continued to fight. We fought for six days. Then we left Shiskinu. We completed a survival march across the island. We did not settle across the island. We had no intention of settling across the island. Our every intention since leaving here was to come back to our land. We set up a blockade preventing the Russians from trading for the only thing that they believed to be of value on this land, which was the, the sea otter fur. After a few years of blockading the trade, the Russians came and invited us back. We said, no, we will not be invited to our land by strangers. Today, we occupy that same land, the same land that we have occupied for thousands and thousands of years since the last ice age. The only land that was ceded was Castle Hill, New Plain. That was actually the original site of Akahit, my clan house, nothing else. Some people ask why we're still bringing this up 151 years later. But what has happened since the United States came in, the Tongass National Forest was established, we lost our land, we had to abide by Western law, the tradition of handing down our clan houses and all of our properties, all of our smokehouses, all of our summer camps went out of our hands and into the government's hands. Then. In the 1940s, the Forest Service, Forest Service came in and started burning down all of our smokehouses. And in today's world, that doesn't sound like a lot. Maybe some of you have smokehouses in your backyards to supplement your food. But this was our economy. This was our way of life. This is what sustained us, was those summer camps. This is where we got all of our food. So it was an all-on attack on our way of life. If you can just imagine, I don't know how long some of you have been here, but a, a foreign government came in and said, you know what? Your bachelor's degree doesn't matter. Your master's degree doesn't matter. Everything that you have learned throughout the last 20 years doesn't matter. It's not a good way of life. You have to learn our way of life. You have to learn Tlingit. You have to hunt. You have to fish. You cannot do any of those things that your families have been doing. Just try to imagine how that would feel. And then take a look at today and see why we talk about historical trauma. Because many of us haven't recovered from that. Many of us are still struggling only to hear that we're just not good enough to live in the Western world. And most of us, all of us have tried the best that we can to live in this world. And what we're asking is to hear the honest history, the true history of this place, and to help us heal. And by all of you being here today, you're helping us heal. And I want to thank you for being here. So now we're going to sing Suksan for you. <coughs>
All right, Gunner Chish. Thank you everyone for being here today. We have a special episode of our grandparents' teachings. We have some special guests in our studio today. I'd like to welcome them. Khashich Tla, Louise Brady, and Matt Jackson. They'll be talking to us a little bit about Reconciliation Day and Alaska Day festivities and what their part is in um, sharing and educating our, our community of Sheetka. So I'm very glad that they're here and welcome. So, uh, just uh, start off, we'd like to hear a little bit about maybe what your plans might be for this upcoming uh, Alaska Day celebration. If not, uh, just kind of tell us what you have done in the past and share with us and our listeners why is it so important to educate folks about Reconciliation Day slash Alaska Day, what people know as Alaska Day today. And what does that mean to both of you? So... You know, with COVID, I'm really not sure what we will be doing for the last few years. We have been holding a ceremony at the bottom of New Tlain, which is now called Castle Hill. New Tlain is where our Kiksadi clan houses were originally long before Baranoff's so-called castle was there. Mm-hmm. And it started with uh, one of our tribal citizens, Paulette Marino, went by herself up to the top of New Tlain during the transfer ceremony. And she held a sign thanking our people for protecting Tlingit Ani, in particular Shitka, Sitka, or Tlingit country, since time immemorial. And she was at the transfer ceremony by herself, and apparently some people took offense and tried to get her to leave and tried to get her to, to not put the sign up, and she stayed. So I think that that was pretty courageous and and set a really good example for the rest of us about what we know of history. And what we know of history is that Shitka has been Tlingit Ani, has been Tlingit territory since time immemorial. And with so many things going on, around the country that what has happened with this transfer ceremony is the erasure of indigenous history. And that can be really hurtful Mm -hmm. and harmful. Having been born and raised here and gone through the Sitka School District, there was no Tlingit history taught. And so having the ceremony felt like and feels like a good way to say we are still here, mm-hmm. and we were not consulted on the sale of our territory, mm-hmm. and we're not going away anytime soon, <laughs> and so mm-hmm. we need to have this discussion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, our people have been here for since time immemorial, thousands of years. A lot of the visitors that come to our shores, they always ask, where are the Russians? And you have to be extremely kind and say, they're in Russia. <laughs> but our Tlingit yes. people have been here uh, for thousands of years, and we're still here. We're still here. And you're right. We're not going anywhere anytime soon. This is Hakakasani, uh, our maternal uncle's land. We're not uh-huh. going anywhere. So thank you for sharing that. And uh, Matt, if you could just share with us, our listeners, what is your role in helping out with Reconciliation Day? And what does it mean to you? My grandparents moved here in the 1950s to Ketchikan, actually, and a lot of people might think that is a long time ago, but compared to the thousands of years that Tlingit people have been here, it's really just the blink of an eye. And so Reconciliation Day was really important for me to kind of understand the history and how I can be in good relationship with this land and the people who live here and um, understanding that Alaska was never sold, that the Russians didn't own Alaska to sell it, that it was stolen and that the Americans bought a lie. 
informs a lot of things in our community today, whether it's talking about the Forest Service and their management or fishing game and their management to really understand this land, we have to understand and acknowledge that it's all Ani, and that you know this land is land that belongs to the people that have been here for thousands of years. And so Reconciliation Day was kind of a, a window for me to understand and also experience that history in a different way. And it was a little, it's a little uh, disappointing to see a celebration of something that was so harmful to people that I, you know, consider really good friends and almost like family here in Sika to see the the reenactment of that theft celebrated is really hurtful and kind of confusing to me. So my role, you know, there I don't know if there's any really formal roles. <laughs> um, we all just kind of work together, but I just help in whatever way I can in whatever ways asked of me. You know, Louise has been a great leader. Paulette has been a great leader. There's other folks who have worked really hard, and I just try to do what what's asked of me, do the best I can. Mm-hmm. Can I just add, though, that Absolutely. that's a huge and important role of being an ally. Mm-hmm. Can't be understated. I guess it can be because he just understated <laughs> his role. <laughs> because it is. It's, it's mm-hmm. really big. I think that it, it makes a huge difference to have our allies there and to have people that are willing to have an open mind because I, I we're focusing on the healing. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, I think it's something that it speaks louder probably when we have our allies there mm-hmm. by us because I, I would love to see, you know, now I'm not sure if the Sika School District is still having children do the... Uh, their own reenactments at the centennial. Uh, you know, maybe someday my grandchildren will do reenactments of the morning ceremony mm-hmm. and, and the history, mm-hmm. the true history mm-hmm. that, you know, doesn't erase us. Right, right. A few years ago, I remember being part of the teaching of Sikha Native Education Program students. I was invited to also help out with some uh, dancing at the elementary school probably just a few years ago, and we did some of our our Shlingit songs. It was pretty nice, but mm-hmm. that's kind of what's going on currently that I know of. But, I mean, if you were to explain somebody that's uh, an Alaskan or has lived here for a while or doesn't know too much about Alaska Day or somebody that's just moved here, how would you explain, like, Alaska Day to them from your perspective as opposed to, like, the way it's kind of been done for the last 50-plus years here in Sitka? Because Sitka is the only place that celebrates Alaska Day, which is very weird in my book. I don't understand that. Like, why is not the rest of Alaska conscious of this? And how come we're the only ones that really celebrate it? So I don't know. What are your thoughts about that? If you were to teach somebody about Alaska Day, what would you tell them? I have never celebrated Alaska Day personally. Again, just because I think it is a very one-sided story. Mm-hmm. But here... You know, it, it is. It, it's it's hurtful, you know, um, because there are a number of things that, that have happened that do happen. You know, there's a parade, and then there's the reenactment mm-hmm. up on New Plain, and um, the reenactment specifically, yes, is uh, representation of the United States and Russia and the lowering of the... Russian flag and the raising of the U.S. flag. Mm-hmm. And from some of the accounts, and I think that people misunderstand. It's a difficult topic to talk mm-hmm. about, you know, what has happened to all indigenous people across the United States and all the treaties that have broken and all the land and that has been taken. And But to me, that's what it seems like. It's like a celebration of the erasure of Tlingit people, of mm-hmm. indigenous people in Alaska, as if we had no role here, we had no place here, because we're not mentioned anywhere. Mm-hmm. And so it represents the, the Alaska Day, you know, having the parade, having the reenactment, having there's all kinds of activities that take place, but mm-hmm. nothing really pertaining to Tlingit people, the original people of mm-hmm. this land. And, you know, the first year that we actually sang our morning songs, which is Mm M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, 
at the bottom of New Plain, um, the Klan Conference was meeting here. And, and if people don't know what the Klan Conference is, there's we still have a very vibrant, active culture. Mm-hmm. Both you and I, Chuck, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. take part in it. And so it was clan leaders and talking about history, and in particular with the sesquicentennial, there was a woman uh, who was a reporter for Indian Country Today who was here, Marionette Pember, who had actually written an article on intergenerational trauma for ICT, Indian Country Today, Mm -hmm. to talk about intergenerational trauma and what is it about currently the way that Indigenous people continue to be erased from history, how that affects us, and why do we really need to start telling the true history? Because the images out there, generally in the media, has gotten a lot better. Mm -hmm. But for so many years, almost all of the images of Indigenous people were about trauma. Mm -hmm. There was plenty of information, um, you know, about the alcoholism and the addictions and domestic violence. But all of those are trauma responses. Mm-hmm. So until we start talking about true history, I really believe that it's going to be so difficult for our people to heal. We're going to continue to internalize all of those negative things that we hear in the media. Mm-hmm. I see this as an opportunity for us to stand up and to say, this is wrong. Let's let's work together to correct this. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. And I remember a story by Mr. Hope. I can't remember which Mr. Hope it was. He's either Mr. Fred Hope or Mr. Herb Hope. I remember him sharing it. I think it was at the Klan conference uh, that was held in one of the towns of Southeast. But I remember him specifically saying that when he was growing up, his grandmother told him, his um, I would believe his maternal grandmother, she was there in the channel area, in a canoe with some of her family members doing what our, our people have done for thousands of years, you know, just living off the land, doing our what we do. And she says she remembers seeing the lowering and the raising of the flags. And she said, uh, she mentioned to her family members, which was passed on, that they didn't even know what was going on. They didn't know, and please excuse the expression, they didn't know what the white folks were doing on top of New Plain. They had no idea. And that's just mind-blowing to me. I'm like, so our people weren't talked to at all about what was going on. And uh, I think they would have been, they probably would have had a few things to say at the time if they knew exactly what was going on. So that was just kind of uh, troublesome to hear that that story. She's seen the whole thing, but they had no idea what was going on. And that's their their ancestors' land for thousands of years. So it's like, Mm -hmm. well, Matt, uh, how about you? Are there some other things that you would like to share with our listeners about um, Reconciliation Day or Alaska Day? If you were to like tell somebody that came from out of town, maybe you knew them growing up or they've never been to Alaska or Sitka for that matter, what would you do, what would you try to do to explain to them what is Alaska Day or Reconciliation? Or is there any thoughts that come to mind that maybe Louise was just talking about that you want to add on to? Gosh, I mean, I think I would probably direct them to the recording of this because you guys did a really great job of explaining it. But there's a lot to say. And something that I think about, Chuck, you said and Louise just said, um, should be enough for folks, I think. But also, this issue is actually taken all the way to the Supreme Court by Central Council Clinton and Haida filing land claims. And the United States Supreme Court said that the sale of Alaska was bogus. And they said exactly what you just said. And so this is not really up for debate, even under the terms of the United States and the so-called state of Alaska. The United States Supreme Court said that the so-called state of Alaska was totally bogus and that the Russians didn't own anything outside of that little fort you just described. And they didn't have the right to sell Kazdahin or Kikushin, much less, you know, Mm -hmm. Uktyagvik or Mm -hmm. anywhere else. And that happened in the 30s. That was a long time ago that the Supreme Court said that. And yet people still think that it's worth celebrating this total boondoggle. And sick is a great place today. But we, we do need to be honest about our history. And it's really troubling to me that people think that like firing off muskets or cannons on this day that has been acknowledged to be an illegal theft of the state of Alaska, people want to celebrate by shooting off guns. <laughs> it's crazy, especially when those guns have been used to terrorize and intimidate and colonize Tlingit people in this land and even whole communities. So it's just very 
harmful. And I would really look people right in the eyes and ask them, how do you think this makes the original people of this land feel? Do you think this is contributing to a healthier, more connected community? Or do you think it's maintaining old divisions? Mm -hmm. And that's really what I would encourage folks to think about and uh, try to imagine more creative and uh, healthier and healing ways to commemorate this day. Because I do think it makes sense that Sitka remembers October 18th because this theft, for better or for worse, it did happen here 153 or 54 years ago. So I don't think it should be forgotten. I think the true history actually needs to be learned and remembered. But I think that there's more creative, healthy ways to remember that than firing off cannons and muskets from the top of Nautline. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Thank you for your thoughts on that. I was also thinking about, and Louise, I'd like to get your thoughts on this. And it's, it's interesting to me where our ancestors' frame of minds were when they had the very first celebration here of Alaska Day when it took place and they had potentially their first parade. And I know that you've seen photos, I've seen photos. Like, where's the state of mind of our ancestors, our elders, at that moment of time when they participated in Alaska Day? It'd be interesting to find out what they were thinking at the time. You know, obviously, this is a sad day for our people, but we see photos of them wearing the full regalia and then the old ancestral, ancient atu, the high caste regalia. They're wearing it in the parade. They're wearing it. We see a lot of photos with that. I wonder if what they were thinking was maybe this is just my thoughts. We're here. We're still here. We want to be known and noticed that we are here. We want you to notice who we are. Um, um, obviously, that must have been hard to speak up at during that time frame because I'm sure our people did not have a voice, period. So um, I don't know. I'm just wondering what your thoughts were of our people participating in, in that capacity at that moment in time. I'm still curious about that myself. I don't know. That's a really complicated question, mm-hmm. and I think one that I've been looking for answers for a long time. I have tried to put myself in the place of my grandfather and those founders, mm-hmm. and some of them had to be reading federal Indian policy. Mm-hmm. Federal Indian policy has never been to strengthen us. Mm-hmm. It has never been to support us. Mm-hmm. It has always been to access resources and then to extract them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, between the epidemics, between the forced assimilation, the banning of the potlatch and by territorial governor Brady Mm -hmm. in 1904, I'm sure was heavily on their minds. And at that time, right, Mm -hmm. we probably had very few people who spoke English. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. we were here we were under the United States rule. That's why so many of us, we don't have the lands. Mm -hmm. There's some people that, you know, were able to get attorneys in the early 1900s to keep their lands. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The thing is, is that my mother talked about how our family used Glencan Island. As things were going around, that people were saying that, okay, if you plant potatoes on your land, you'll get to keep it. Mm-hmm. That's how little information was out there. Mm. So I can't help but think, you know, there was this huge upheaval. You know, we're trying to find our way, and our our homelands became strange because we had all these people speaking English. We had all these people saying, you know, we're going to throw you in jail if you don't come and put your kids in school when we used to be out at our fish camps Mm -hmm. until October. So parents were being told, if you don't bring your kids to school, we're going to throw you in jail. Or the Forest Service was burning down our economy, literally, Mm -hmm. which was a food economy Mm -hmm. based on our fish camps. Mm -hmm. It's not easy. Mm -hmm. But I think learning all of those things, taking a look at, you know, a citizenship paper of one of my ancestors in 19... 15, knowing that he had to go to court and he had to have, I think, all of the teachers from the BIA Indian School to say he was civilized. So Mm. civilized meant he's not speaking the language, he's not practicing the culture. Mm. Then he had to get five more white citizens to go to court with him 
and say, we know that he's wow. civilized, that he's not talking his language. What did that do wow. to his psyche? What did that do to, mm -hmm. to anybody who wanted to be a citizen? Mm -hmm. So the conditions, I think, that our ancestors lived under uh, were, were so much different. I think once we learn something, then we become responsible for that information. For our listeners, uh, just to recap what's going on here, we have our, our special guests in our studio today, Louise Brady and Matt Jackson. We're talking about Reconciliation Day and uh, what is currently known as Alaska Day Celebration. And we talked a little bit about the ceremony that's done on top of New Plain and also a ceremony that's done by our, our Tlingit people in the Kiksadis down at the base of New Plain. I think for some of our, our listeners, in a perfect world, in something that you see as a really cool vision for you, Louise, and you, Matt, what's your end goal, I guess? What would you want people to you know, participate in, share, uh, be an alliance? In a perfect world, what do you see in the future for Reconciliation Day? I would say a, a really good start would be teaching all of the history mm -hmm. in all of the schools and celebrating Mm -hmm. celebrating that because I think we can't have a reconciliation without truth-telling mm -hmm. and it might be a good start for people to come together and celebrate the fact that we think of people are still here I mean that's what I see this as it, it's it's a it's been a mourning ceremony mm -hmm. to a point but I think it's also a celebration it's mm -hmm. just like our kuiks. Mm -hmm. You know, we talk about our losses and then we move on. And mm -hmm. we don't move on in the kuik until we've recognized what we've lost. Mm -hmm. We have not had that opportunity. Mm -hmm. I think maybe individuals have, but I think as a community, as Tlingit people, we've not been able to recognize those losses because we don't even know what they are. Mm -hmm. Much of what I've talked about today has been my own research. Mm -hmm. And so when I was told that I was nothing but trouble, I was never going to amount to anything, when I read all of the articles in print media about the domestic violence, the first major movie that came out when I was growing up, okay, I'm 65, <laughs> <laughs> that had an Indian character. Uh -huh. It was called Nobody Loves a Drunken Indian, and we were all so happy because there was actually a Native oh, wow. American in a film. Wow. How ironic. Right? <laughs> so, you know, let's, let's turn that around. Let's mm -hmm. make it, you know, common to understand mm -hmm. the history mm -hmm. and understand that, you know, it's not to put anybody down. Mm -mm. It's an opportunity for healing. Mm -hmm which I think all good activism should be, mm -hmm. as an opportunity for healing. Let's start moving towards the vision. I think that's what will, will allow it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, wonderful. Um, Matt, your thoughts? Yeah, what Louise shared was, is really beautiful. I like what you said, that all good activism should be a form of healing. And likewise, I don't want anyone to feel bad about this. I just want our community to just start doing things that make everyone feel better and can help us turn the page forward instead of reliving mistakes from 150 years ago. So I would ask first that just people stop reenacting the transfer. That would be a really good first step. Just stop reenacting the transfer. I also think that when we understand the history behind the transfer, there's this movement called Land Back, which you know we actually have some really great champions of here in Sitka. Nick Golanin has done amazing work promoting this concept of Land Back around the country. I'm sure, as all the listeners know, he's right here in Sitka. Mm -hmm. And um, I would love to see now Tlaine return to the Kiksadi or to the Sitka tribe of Alaska, or at least ask those parties if they would like to receive it back. It's owned by the state of Alaska, which, as we've talked about a lot today, was kind of bought under false premises, and it'd be a very small token for the state of Alaska to return that land to its rightful owners, or at least offer to return it to the rightful owners and allow them to make their choice. You know, right now, now playing, there's a great view up there, but it's just, it's a bunch of concrete and some rusty cannons, mm -hmm. and uh, I think a lot more interesting things could be done with that space, mm -hmm. uh, especially if it were under the right management. Mm -hmm. 
Hawassa, indeed, indeed. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, Louise and Matt, thank you for being here again today. And uh, listeners would probably like to know what are some ways they could help and participate in Reconciliation Day or Alaska Day in supporting the causes that you folks are really passionate about. Not knowing what's really going to happen for Alaska Day this year, is there anything that's coming up in the future that you want to like either challenge people to be a part of? Or, you know, maybe get online, learn more about Alaska Day in the history or um, do something else uh, that's separate from the traditional what we've known as Alaska Day celebration. Is there things like that that you'd like to have our listeners know about or learn about or encourage them to do or challenge them to do? I would just say stay tuned. We're thinking about symbolic march from Ajahin to Nutlane, uh, which is... Dargav and to Castle Hill. Mm-hmm. So the Kiksadi did a survival march, went on a survival march following the 1804 battle. Mm-hmm. And again, I think with the erasure of history, that that, that makes a strong statement. You know, mm-hmm. we are still here. I think we've talked about a lot of history today, and this is a really tight-knit small community where, you know, we all know each other, and that's probably one of the things that you love about Sitka if you're listening to this. Uh, And so I would encourage folks to have conversations with people about this history. It's not only isolated to October 18th. It is in the school districts, or sometimes it's not in the school districts. Uh, It's in the whole group that organizes the Alaska Day events. And so it's all around in the community. And so have conversations about the real history and if you don't know that history or you want to know more about some of the things you've heard like I really encourage you it's not easy to find because it hasn't always been like written down or put in easy to find places because it's not the mainstream history that's been always been told for the last 150 years but it's out there do some research and learn more about it and then talk about it excellent all right one thing that I always think about is ceremony and Chuck, you've been a Nalkani uh, MC mm-hmm. for many. And w- one of the things that um, I know that characterizes our ceremonies, our ku'iks, is, is the way that we enter into a ceremony is with respect, mm-hmm. without bad feelings, making sure that we take care of everybody that's mm-hmm. there. And one of the things that I have heard from elders is that a ceremony should be the vision of how we live our lives outside of the ceremony. So for me, Alaska Day, the reenactment, is reenacting this hurtful ceremony over and over again. Mm -hmm. Let's find something good. Let's find something that doesn't hurt people. Mm-hmm. Let's find something that is inclusive mm-hmm. and respectful for everyone. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh-huh. Like you said, let's get back together so we, we can be a community of, of healing together and educate folks and put aside our differences and say we need to be all inclusive. So thank you so much for coming in today. Thank you again for listening. We have a very special audio clip that I've taken from the archives of Sikha Native Education Program of Kash Atk, Charlie Joseph Sr., speaking about New Tlaine. Castle Hill is what it's been formally known as, and uh, the people that lived here prior to him. And he shares a little bit of history about New Tlaine in this uh, conversation that you'll be hearing him talking about. Uh, he refers to the people that, that, were, that left before us, our ancestors, and there was a lot of people living here on this land, and this is what they said about the land at that time. And that's what he said he was going to talk about in this recording. In the recording, he refers to um, the Russians. In our language, the Tlingit language, they refer to the Russians as Anushi. And at that time, this is prior to the sale of Alaska, 
the Russians told the Kiksudi clan, the Raven Frog clan, that if they did not leave New Tlain, um, they would open fire, cannon fire on them. Um, so with that threat, the Kiksudi had to move, and they moved, they chose to move to Kastahin, which is the Indian River area, and they built a new fort called Shiskenu, which is Little Sapling Fortress in the battleground area uh, where Tommy Joseph has uh, erected a totem pole in memory of the 1804 battle. So I hope that you enjoy this audio clip today. Gunachish. <laughs> Hello everyone. Our next guest would be Miss Pauline Duncan who's going to share with us some very wonderful uh, poems uh, about uh, our Alaska state and she was an educator here in our city of Sitka for many many years of Alaska native descent and have, may have taught a few of uh, your children and I know she taught one of my children but uh, she's going to share with us some of the things that she brought to our wonderful community of Sitka. Enjoy!
The reason I have this tribute to Benny Benson was when I was teaching first grade, I had a difficult time finding materials that were adaptable to first grade, uh, to, to the first grade curriculum. And so I wanted to go out and seek um, Native role models for the children so they can read about some of their accomplishments. And that's when I uh, researched Benny Benson. And because we we look at the flag every morning, we would do Pledge of Allegiance. And I thought, I want to know what the um, Alaska flag symbolizes. So I looked it up and studied it. And I wanted children to learn that that flag that, that's flying with the American flag was um, drawn and was into a contest by a Native boy, a, a young Native boy. And I wanted them to uh, appreciate the flag. It was a boy that was in an orphanage, you know, and so that's the reason for this tribute to Benny Benson. Once upon a time, there was a little boy named Benny. Benny was born on October 12, 1913, in Chignik, Alaska. He was the firstborn and was three years old when he was torn with Morn. He lost his mother, Tatiana, before he could be warned. Plans were made for Benny to leave on a ship to Seward, Alaska. He held on to his dad with a grip, but he was forced to board the ship. The ride to the Jesse Lee home was frightful. Years later, the experience would turn out to be delightful. He was sent to a home named Jesse Lee. He could not foresee that one day he would be filled with glee. Ben was 13 years old when he entered a flag design contest. Benny was a native who turned out to be creative. He put in his design the dipper, the north star, and blue for the sky, mountains, and water. Benny thought he undershot when he decided to select the forget-me-not. The forget-me-not flower clearly turned out to be the one that would bring pleasure for all Alaskans to treasure. Benny entered the contest as a beginner. To his delight, he found out he was a winner. Alaska officially raised Benny's flag in July of 1927. Benny was buried in Kodiak, Alaska, July 1972. The flag will stay high in the sky. We will say goodbye with a little sigh as we dry our eye for a little boy who can beautify and glorify our sky. Thanks for joining us to learn from our grandparents' teachings. Stay tuned next month as we share more stories, songs, and traditional ways of living. If you have a story you'd like to share, please reach out at storytelling at kcaw.org. We'd love to hear from you. Technical support for this program was made possible in part with funding by the Rasmussen Foundation, administered by the Alaska State Council of the Arts, and Art Change, Inc.